You're late. What the hell are you doing here? I thought you were playing hockey one. The boss called. Arthur fell out. Why the shutters closed? Someone jammed gum in the locks. Bunch of savages in this town. <laughs> That's what I said. Shit, if I had known you were here, I'd have come even later. It smells like shoe polish. Go open the store. Hello folks, John here, and welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. We slip back into the 90s this week as my guest Jocelyn returns, and we talk about Kevin Smith's first feature, Clerks. There was so much to unpack in his debut film, and I had such a fun time dissecting it. The snappy dialogue, the great soundtrack, and how relatable all these characters are. This film is not just funny, it's very, very important. As always, find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at BSP Film Podcast. Also, at the time of this episode being published, we're still going through a global pandemic. I hope all of my listeners are being safe as we traverse this very precarious situation together. If you feel so inclined, there are many ways to help out your fellow humans. One way is to donate to the World Health Organization's COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. Just open a browser and type who.int and see how you can contribute. In the meantime, thanks for sticking with me. So grab your Gatorade and hockey gear, put some Trulies gum in your mouth, rinse some dirty videotapes, and make sure the lights work in the bathroom. And... Never mind the saltiness of the guys at the register. They're only clerks. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're tonight's entertainment. This is some serious gourmet. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. Hey, you? You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! And welcome back, everybody. Clerks. Classic indie film by Kevin Smith. Uh, I love this movie. I have Jocelyn here today. Hello. Hi, Jocelyn. How are you? I'm well. How are you? If I got any better, you couldn't handle it. That's how good I am. <laughs> I'll shut up now. Um, so, Clerks. This is a, a bit of a classic in its own right. Kind of a cult following has kind of developed behind this film. But mostly to the, uh, the, the tenacity of its director, Kevin Smith. And he's built this kind of a universe for himself that was never really done before, I think, in cinema. You know, he has... He, made Clerks, and he made all the following View Askew universe films, you know, the Mallrats and Chasing Amy and Jay and Silent Bob and all those things. And But yeah, it all it all started here. So what are your thoughts? What are your, what are your, what is your hot take on, on Clerks from the jump? Well, like all Kevin Smith movies, I think it's, even though he's really into um, comics and the, you know, the comic book movies, his his movies are sort of like the anti you know action movie there's there's not a whole lot of 
there actually there is no special effects or or really anything um, taking away from the narrative and the storyline. So mm -hmm. I think it's so much more, it's focused on the dialogue and the interaction between the people than it is about the, you know, the visual effects. Now the first one was completed and fully operational before the rebels destroyed it. Luke blew it up, give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. They're not just Imperials, is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. <laughs> All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the Rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer. Done and ready home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you a roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills, a beautiful house, tons of property, a simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Right, and you think about, like, you look at the uh, uh, production, because he, he, he made Clerks on a shoestring budget, $27,000, which he sold a lot of his comic books off to help finance, including maxing out his credit cards. And uh, he had to shoot it all at night because he worked at that convenience store. And so he would burn a whole shift throughout the day, and then... When the store was closed, then he would come in with his people and, and shoot all night and then clock right back in. And shooting lasted like 20-something, 20 21 days or something. Um, yeah, 21 straight nights, as I'm reading right now. And But, you know, it pays off. Like, he he was motivated by Richard Linklater's, one of his films, I think it was Slackers, to make this film and to tell a story. And basically he told a story that he knew, which was him growing up in New Jersey, you know, carousing with his friends, you know, talking about Star Wars and comic books and, and as young men, interactions with women and relationships and life because there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say it's a coming-of-age movie or anything. They're, they're already grown men, uh, but our main characters, uh, Dante and Randall, but they... <laughs> I think they're more man-children than they are men. Correct. Um, <laughs> they have a lot of growing up to do still. Yes, but I think it's a very realistic look. Um, I, I, 
I can only speculate about all areas, but I grew up pretty close to that area that he he filmed, and I want to say that that's that those characters they could they could be one of tens of people that I grew up with. Just an amalgamation of these archetypes of near dwells and and not losers and burners, but like you know basically what what I feel is echoed in this film is Kevin Smith is reflecting how people of a certain age who don't have direction they find themselves in a rut. Absolutely. And I like, you know, your, your hero, if you will, in this, in this film is Dante. He's the, cl- the clerk that gets called into work and he, he moans all day about, I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> you know, he's just moaning. He's got, a, he's got a girlfriend and he's got a best friend. And, but he's kind of just in that rut. He's got no ambition, though. So he's kind of shooting himself in the foot. And yet he decides to, to whine about it and, Oh, boo-hoo, life's so hard. And I think a few people, a lot of people can probably relate how we vote, maybe not everybody, but myself, I've been in those slumps where I'm like, man, life sucks. But, you know, I had the wherewithal and the self-awareness to elevate myself, you know, take some action, take some responsibility, you know, hold myself accountable to to something more if I want to make a change or see a change. Who better to make it than myself? Yes, and that's awesome that you do that. Uh, <laughs> many thank you for you, but I know that there's uh, a whole, you know, I don't want to say subculture, but there's a whole bunch of people out there that that don't know how. It's not necessarily that they don't want to do better, but they don't know how. So mm. it's easier to just gripe about what is than sure. trying to figure out the unknown by themselves. Yeah, and that's, you know, we'll, and we'll get to the end of the film when uh, his, you know, current girlfriend, you know, t- cuts the cord on Dante. Um, and she's like, well, you don't know what you want. You know, you th- you know, because as we see through our, as we dive through the film, that he has all these lofty ambitions somewhere. But he hasn't tapped into, he hasn't realized what he wants to do. And, you know, and she, his, his girlfriend... Um, she, you could tell in the beginning, she goes to class, she's going to school, she's trying to do something with her life, and she's like kind of calmly nudging and suggesting, hey, you could start a class too. Just take one class. What's the harm? And uh, he's kind of, muh, muh, muh. and it's, it's almost irritating to deal with him, but you know what? I think a lot of people have been in Dante's shoes or might still be. In Dante's shoes, that's what kind of makes this film a, a, a timeless one, because there's always going to be the, those young twenty-somethings who they get out of high school. Maybe they try a semester at, at big boy school, big girl school, the for, local community college, usually. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, um, I know a lot of friends that you know they eventually turned themselves around, but in their early twenties, they were like, "Well, I'm going to take this semester off," and then that. Uh, rolls downhill to the next year and then you know so their gap year turns into a gap decade and then they kind of turn around like man what am i doing with myself and 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 i'm I'm not saying you have to go to college to to be a successful person or ambitious or or what have you but you know it's some people like you said they they don't know what they don't know and i think dante was in a really fortunate fortunate position because he had a girlfriend that was looking out for his best interest. I mean, not to mention the fact that she sucked 
36 dicks before him. 37. Well, he was number 37. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. You sucked that guy's dick? Yeah, how do you think I knew that he... Wait, but you said you only had sex with three different guys. You never mentioned him. Because I never had sex with him. You sucked his dick. We went out a few times. We never had sex, but we fooled around. Oh, my God. Why did you tell me you only had sex with three different guys? Because I did only have sex with three different guys. That doesn't mean I didn't just go with people. Oh, my God. I feel so nauseous. Sorry, Dante. I thought you understood. I did understand. I understood that you had sex with three different guys, and that's all you said. Please calm down. How many? Dante. How many dicks have you sucked? How many? I didn't freak out like this when you told me how many girls you fucked. This is different. This is important. How many? Well? Something like 36? What? Something like 36? Who are you, boys? Wait, what is that anyway? Something like 36? Does that include me? I'm 37? I'm going to class. Oh, my God. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? Hey, where you going? Hey, listen, jerk. Until today, you never even knew how many guys I slept with because you never even bothered to ask. Then you act all nonchalant about fucking 12 different girls. Well, I never had sex with 12 different guys. No, but you sucked enough dick. Yeah, I went down on a few guys. A few? And one of those guys was you. The last one, I might add, which if you're too stupid to comprehend, means that I've been faithful to you since we met. All the other guys I went with before I met you. So if you want to have a complex about it, go ahead. But don't look at me like I'm the town whore because you were plenty busy yourself before you met me. Well, why did you have to suck that dick? I mean, why couldn't you sleep with him like any other decent person? Because going down isn't a big deal. I used to like a guy we'd make out, and sooner or later I'd go down on him. But I only had sex with the guys I loved. I feel sick. I love you. Don't feel sick. Every time I kiss you, I'm going to taste 36 other guys. <sighs> I'm going to school. Maybe later you'll be a bit more rational. I'm 37. I just Goodbye, can't Goodbye, Dante. Hey, try not to suck any dick on the way through the parking lot. So she did some learning on her own about <laughs> life. And in, and you can tell that she actually gave a crap about Dante. I mean, she brought him a lasagna. Yeah. Like that's how, how, what doesn't get better than that? You know, lasagna? Come on. I love lasagna. And ziti. And spaghetti. And all pasta Italian dishes. You should have let me know. I just made from scratch minestrone at home. Oh. Now you tell me. The other thing that I really dig about uh, Kevin Smith movies is even though they portray their their characters as a, I want to say like middle class, maybe a socioeconomic kind of level, not wealthy people, but, you know, surviving people, their dialogue and they're, they're very articulate. They're very, you know, they have distinct political and social views mm -hmm. that they articulate so well. So he he basically makes sure to me that they're not perceived they're not just knuckle dragon mouth breathers i mean other than jay but you know <laughs> that's part of his charm um, it is it is um so but that the main characters they engage like even him and his girlfriend engage on you know um just a, a very articulate level like you know how they feel about the the common man when they say aren't you afraid someone's gonna steal no and this is why and he goes into to people's fears more than. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes it's a very, it's it's a it's a gift when writers possess the skill to kind of frame out 
what we all want to say in life, but we sometimes we don't have the words to do so. I mean, Kevin Smith even said himself, he's a so-so director, but he's a, he's a damn good writer. And I and I will agree. Like I don't like every directed film he's made as far as how he put it together, um, but I, I can never say he can't write. The man can, can write some great dialogue. And uh, going into the beginning of this film, you know, we have Dante... And, you know, in the, even in the beginning of the film, you know, yeah, he gripes and groans when he gets called back into work after just closing, and he has plans for the day. He's going to go play hockey. He's going to do all these things. Gets called into work, and the shutters are closed. And he's like, that's, all right, that's this is strike two. I've already had to get woken up so early. Now the shutters are closed. i got to deal with this problem. So he's already just, like, racking up the complaints. Bunch of savages in this town. Bunch of savages in this town. <laughs> and, you know, in the, in the initial you know, meeting of Dante, it's it's very easy to understand why he's so frustrated. Like in, in that in that pocket of the of that early morning, like I'd be pissed off too if I had to wake up, it's fucking early, I'm I'm cranky, and then I have to go set up the whole store. Well he kinda takes it he's kinda like he's like a martyr almost. He's like, Oh, what was me? I'm the one who has to champion the the business to stay alive and and he's really just kind of a moaner, but you know. And then you have his his cohort, you know, Randall, who's practically the complete opposite in many respects. Right. And uh, I can't wait to talk more about that character. That character always cracks me up because he also irritates me too, but for the, for different reasons. But I also enjoy listening to the two of them, like you said, like the dialogue. Uh, the two of them chat. They kind of banter back and forth very well. And yeah, they're both very profane, and they're very disgusting and perverted. But they punch out really good points about what they're trying to say to each other, and they're very direct with each other. And because Randall, you know, for all his warts and all his uh, awfulness, <laughs> like the guy sometimes should not be around children, <laughs> you know. But he he's very good at like getting to the point, and and speaking from his mind. Um, I'm not sure that disgust is the right word. Um, I mean, I'm from two certain people, sure, I think that he can become, you know, be uh, described as disgusting. But the fact that he has no filter and that he's able to just talk about everything and anything just as they're talking about what's on the front page of the newspaper, I think there's something beautiful in that, especially when he's got to call up and order all those uh, adult films uh, with a straight face. <laughs> Do you sell videotapes? Yeah, what are you looking for? Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Uh, one second. I'm on the phone with the distribution house now. Let me make sure they got it. What's it called again? Happy Scrappy Hero Pop. Happy Scrappy. She loves it. Obviously. Uh, yeah, hi. This is RST Video Calling. Customer number 4352. I'd like to place an order. Okay, I need one each of the following tapes. Whispers in the wind. To each his own. Put it where it doesn't belong. My pipes need cleaning. All tit fucking volume eight. I need your cock. Ass worshiping rim jobbers. My cut and eight shafts. Come clean. Come gargling naked sluts. Come buns three. Coming in socks. Come on Eileen. Huge black cocks with pearly white cum. Girls who crave cock. Girls who crave cunt. Met alone two, the KY connection. Pink pussy lips. Oh yeah, and uh, all holes filled with hard cock. Yep. Oh wait a minute, uh, what was that called again? 
But the fact that he can pretty much deliver any information on any topic right. and just, I mean, it could be a grocery list and he says it with the same matter of factness there. It, it takes an element of, yes, there's shock value because of the language that he uses. And you're like, Oh, Oh my. Sure. But, um, the, the profoundness of, of his message underneath is not lost because he's able to just engage with it. Like what, what are you going to do? He kind of has a, uh, no fucks given attitude and he's happy with his station in life. He's yeah. I jockey register at a video store that sucks. And I bullshit that job anyway, by going over next door to the convenience store and like, ah, whatever, you know, and he doesn't, he's not bothered. And like, I think, that is almost like the totality of his ambition in life is just kind of, you know, watch movies and, and goof off and, and be silly and, and, and do whatever he wants. Um, but before he, we even meet Randall, we meet Veronica, who is That's Dante's right. current girlfriend. And, of course, she stops by, um, offers some encouragement, encouraging words. Hey, I got to go to class, but, you know, I'll stop by later, bring some food. Say you vented. Don't you feel better? No. Why not? Because my ex-girlfriend's getting married. Jesus, you got a one-track mind. It's always Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin. Veronica! What happened to Home by 12? Uh, boss hasn't shown up yet. How come you're not in class? That 101 got canceled, so I stopped home and I brought you some lunch. What is it? Peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off. What do you think it is? It's lasagna. Really? You're the queen. I'm glad you've calmed down a bit. Hi, Randall. 37. Shut up. Yes, I've calmed down. I'm not happy, but I'll be able to deal. Why don't you go back to the video store? You had to tell him? I had to tell someone. He put it into perspective. What did he say? He said at least he wasn't 36. And that made you feel better? Andy also said that most of them were college guys I've never even seen or met before. The ostrich syndrome, if you don't see it. It isn't there, yes. Thank you for being rational. Thank you for the lasagna. Couldn't get the shutters open? No. I called the locksmith. He said the earliest he could be here is tomorrow morning. Bummer. Well, I gotta head back for the 1.30 class. Time to get finished. Eight, but I have a sorority meeting till nine. So I'll see you when you're close then. Can we go out for coffee? Sure. Good. See you when you're closing. Okay. Enjoy the lasagna. And then I, I like how, you know, it's also Dante's perception of like, it really it's Kevin Smith's perception of how he views the human race, how the little things where he puts a sign on the register when they go to, sit behind it to do her nails right and relax just you know what what was the sign it was say? like make your own change or something like that yeah it was very like eh, very kind of let, let the chips fall where they may and then i like the you know and they're kind of rattling off about sex and their past exploits and you know which is never a good idea it's not i mean and Kim just Smith, be glad you're fucking her now <laughs> well, Kevin Smith, he, he explores this later, way more in depth with chasing Amy, um, when Ben Affleck's character finds out that his current girlfriend has basically been a super hoe, and he doesn't know how to deal with the fact that she's been around so much, like, and relative to probably his own experiences, 
See, that always made me mad. But like like she said, well, she had sex with like half the women in yeah. the tri-state area. But, but you know, yeah. and I think, you know, guys do get hung up on that kind of stuff. And they, that's why, you know, even after he confesses to, to – Dante confesses to Veronica that he slept with 12 women, you know – as as most men do, like, well, yeah, good for me. I got a bunch of bedpost notches. Life's great. Um, I think that he probably deserves a ten di- or a ten vagina curve. He probably slept closer to twenty. He was just keeping the number low for her. Is that what guys do? I think so. No, I, th- I think if anything, I think guys would would embellish higher inflate? up, inflate. Okay. I okay. think like just make them feel more macho and like, look at me, I'm a I'm a Don Juan. I can you know whatever. Maybe not. I don't know. Every guy is different. Um, some guys. Some guys. I knew a guy. He he did even, you know, very attractive. Like worked out. Like like he could get laid if he wanted to. But he turned down people, women left and right. It was it was bizarre. I I, I didn't ask him, but a friend of a mutual friend asked him like, hey man, like what's the deal? Like like are you gay or something? Like which is you know what which is fine. We're just curious. We just don't we just don't understand why you would just let this go. And he simply said, it's my preference. I want to wait. You know, that's adorable. I mean, I, I was, I say that now I would agree with you now, but when I was 21, I'm like, dude, are you nuts? You know, but I was 21 and I, all I wanted to do was get drunk and get laid. Mm. See, I, I have a different perspective, but you know, religious biases and all that stuff <laughs> aside, Speak your mind. um, well, when they're engaging, clearly Dante and Veronica have a good sex life. If he sure. was fresh out of the freaking packaging, He'd probably suck. So be glad that he had 12 yeah. practice rounds before being able to... <laughs> practice rounds. You know? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, no one's really great out, off the jump in my experience. So, um, that, wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. I do. You know, it's like a, a piano player. When they first sit down at the box of wood, all the keys on it, they don't just, you know, play Mozart. They got to they gotta figure it out. Chopsticks comes first. Indeed, chopsticks. <laughs> um, but, you know, but my point is, with, you know, with the fragile masculinity that Dante possesses, you know, the guy comes in, the snowball guy. Oh, God. And, yeah. and then we, hear, we learn what snowballing is. Kids, if you don't know what snowballing is, look it up on your, on your own time. Uh, Urban Dictionary? Urban Dictionary okay. probably yeah. spills the beans very graphically and explicitly. But then yeah. it turns out that snow, or that Veronica actually snowballed him upon request. Yeah, because that's what the guy was into. Yep. Hey, different strokes, or whatever the expression would be, and um, so he, so she confessed to sucking thirty six dicks, and now thirty seven t- total tally is thirty seven. Of course, this just crushes Dante, and I think that's part of the reason. That's part of the reason that we'll explore later on why he decides to try to reconnect with um, what was her Brie Caitlin Brie. Caitlin Brie That's yes it. and so he tries to reconnect with Caitlin later on down the road and I think in part of the reason why is because that Veronica is like this you know she has this colorful history of putting lots of penises in her mouth and and to him that's worse than sleeping around with. Like having actual sex with people. Because didn't Caitlyn cheat on him all the time? And that's my point. It's like she screwed him. What do you say? Eight. She. He. No. She cheated on him eight and a half times. Right. Because the half time was because she actually thought he was somebody else. Yes. Okay. Yes. And Jesus Christ. 
So they kind of get into it, and then they don't really make up after she storms off, leaving the store to go to school or whatever she has to do for the day. And and then Randall comes in, and it's just a whole new ball of wax starts, you know. And he and he's also we can't forget the uh, the the asshole chewing gum salesman who's tr- who's tries to like you know of all days i think in 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 dante's defense a lot of shit happened in this day you know the the cigarette the anti-cigarette smoking guy who was really an undercover gum sales person trying to get uh people to buy the gum rather than buy the cigarettes and they and in turn he he rallies this like mob to like make dante look like a nazi because you know he wants to get everyone to buy cigarettes it's so bizarre but it's a really funny scene you're spending what 20 maybe 30 dollars a week on your cigarettes yeah. 40 53 53 dollars a week on cigarettes come on would you give somebody that much money each week to kill you because that's what you're doing now by paying for this so-called privilege to smoke hey man we gotta croak sometime it's that kind of mentality that allows the cancer producing industry to thrive of course we're all gonna die someday but do we have to pay for it? No, no. Do we have to actually throw hard-earned dollars down on the counter and say, please, Mr. Merchant of Death, sir, please, sell me something that'll stink up my breath and my clothes and fry my lungs? Now, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, now here comes the speech about how he's just doing his job by following orders. Yeah. Friends, let me tell you about another group of hate mongers that were just following orders. They were called Nazis. Oh, yeah, that's right. They Nazi. Yeah, and they practically wiped an entire nation of people off the earth just like your cigarettes are doing now. I think you're going to leave now. You want me to leave? Why? Because somebody's telling it like it is? Yeah. Somebody's giving these fine people a wake-up call? Yeah. No, you're loitering and closer to disturbance. I'm a disturbance? You're the disturbance, pal. You know, here, now I am a customer. I'm going to buy some Chulis gum, all right? I'm a customer engaged in a discussion with the other customers. Yeah, see, he's scared now because he sees the threat we present. He smells the changes coming. You can smell it. You definitely are the source in this area, and we're going to shut you down for good. For good cancer merchant. Cancer merchant. Cancer merchant. This mob. <coughs> that guy. <coughs> Freeze. Let's see some credentials. Slowly. You're a Chulis gum representative? Chulis? And you're stirring up all this anti smoking sentiment. To what? Sell more gum? Get out of here. Yeah, there's always whack customers keep coming in, and the person who counts the eggs. See, and... that was awesome, and I like the the uh, the woman that had the explanation of what he was doing. Um, that he was, she's like, I'll bet you he's a high school guidance counselor, oh. because <laughs> you can't have a more worthless position in life than being a high school guidance counselor, and he's just basically like doing all these like resiliency tests endurance tests on eggs just mm-hmm. to try and find like the, some the, meaning in life he was trying to find the perfect dozen the perfect dozen that's right yep never believe what this unruly customer just said wait is she in here this guy is going through all the eggs look this has been going on for 20 minutes now what's he looking for 
Said he has to find the perfect dozen. Perfect dozen? Yeah, each egg has to be perfect. But the quest isn't going well, huh? Obviously not. Look at all the cartons that didn't make the grade. Why doesn't he just mix and match? I told him that, and he yelled at me. <laughs> What'd he say? He said it was important to have standards. He says no one has any pride anymore. It's not like you laid the eggs yourself. I give him five more minutes. After that, I'm calling the cops. I don't need this. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Two packs of cigarettes. I'm as puzzled as you. I've actually seen it before. You know him? No, I don't know him, but I know the behavior. Let me guess, he's looking for the perfect carton of eggs? Yeah, how'd you know? And I'll bet you a million dollars he's a guidance counselor. Why do you say that? Well, I saw it happen in Food City, like, last year. Different guy, though. The stock boy said that he'd been looking through cartons of eggs for, like, half an hour, doing all sorts of endurance tests and stuff. I asked him why nobody ever called the manager, and he said it happens, like, two, three times a week, sometimes more. Get out of here. No, I kid you not. They call it shell shock. Seems to only happen with guidance counselors. They used to make a big deal of it, but they just let it go now, because they always pay for whatever they break, and they never bother anybody. Well, why guidance counselors? Well, if your job was as meaningless as theirs, wouldn't you go crazy, too? Come to think of it, my guidance counselor was kind of worthless. See? It's important to have a job that makes a difference, boys. That's why I manually masturbate caged animals for artificial insemination. Every person that comes in has, I, I feel almost every person that comes in has some sort of, like, odd, unusual interaction with either Dante or Randall. Dante usually kind of just goes with the flow because he's, he's very kind of meek. He's kind of, like, non-conversational, just like, hey, whatever you want to do, just get out of my face. Whereas Randall is often provoking, you know, he, you know, the... He's like, come at me, bro. He's at, Whatever. Yeah, totally. He, you know, he rattles off that list of totally inappropriate porno titles in front of the daughter, the mom and her daughter, little girl. He sells the pack of smokes a little to another little girl. In his defense, he didn't really look up. And that's he his, just sort of... Because he's so... He doesn't look up there. He doesn't look up when the woman comes into the video store to ask him what he thinks of the two movie selections she has up. And she turns away. She pulls him back up again. And he's like, oh, yeah, that, they suck. Those, that movie sucks, too. And she's like, I didn't change the movies. It's the same. You're not paying attention to me. He's like, I know. I don't care. They say so much, but they never tell you if it's any good. Are either one of these any good? Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I don't it appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. I was only pointing out that you weren't paying any attention to what I was saying. Uh, I hope it feels good. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating than pointing out the shortcomings of others, is there? Well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! Hey, you're not allowed to rent here anymore. Yeah! Screw me. 
<laughs> and what was it? What's your cat's name? Annoying customer. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> no, he says fucking dickhead. And a pack of cigarettes. Cute cat. What's his name? Annoying customer. Fucking dickhead. So interesting thing about um, clerks is um, the the uh, connections it has to the, um, to the Divine Comedy, where lead character's name is Dante, okay. and all those little the segments are intercut like the nine rings of hell symbolizing Dante's journey. And I think this day is basically symbolizing Dante, you know, he's at the crux. He, he, he can't go past this day without facing some sort of turmoil and resolution because he's, he, he is stuck in this rut. He's got a friend who has his back, though he's kind of volatile and he's got a great girl and he sees all these other things, you know, that are, He's there, there, all these things that stop him from moving forward in his life, but he elects to just kind of pass the buck, kind of like, like life sucks, things bad, bad things happen to me, and that's just how it is without trying to attempt to fix his situation. But he's the problem. Exactly. He's such a pushover. I mean, okay, in the opening scene when he picks up the phone and boss is like, yeah, I'll open if you promise to be there by noon. You promise? You promise. And okay, I mean, he gives in right there and then. He yeah. sort of asked for it, so. Yeah, I would have told the boss, "Hey, fucking, go fly a kite, dude. I'm going back to bed." Well, then halfway through the day, it turns out that the the boss went up to Vermont, Vermont. and had no intention of ever coming. Yeah, because he knew he, he could he could push Dante yeah. around, mm-hmm. and so, but all these crazy things keep happening on this one particular day. Like he has the old man that comes into the store to use the bathroom and Dante's like, Oh, it's for customers only. And the old man's like, Well, come on, you know, I'm total pushover. Oh, come on, man, I'm old, I can't hold it like I used to. And so he not only does he let him use the customer's bathroom, he lets him borrow a porno mag. Not only that, but also the Charmin because it's the, the softer toilet paper too. That's that's right. Yeah. And it's like, come on, dude. And that well, that, that pays off later. But yeah. And then you know, but he, he he laments because he's got his hockey game to, to go to today, but he can't go because, you know, he's stuck at work. And everyone's like, don't you have a hockey game today? Don't you have a hockey game today? He's like, I'm not supposed to be here. And he, oh, he's such a bitch about everything. <laughs> he kind of is. Big flapping labia. <laughs> Why do you do things like that? You know he's only going to come back and tell the boss. Who cares? That guy's an asshole. Everybody that comes in here is way too uptight. This job would be great if it wasn't for the fucking customers. Jesus, I'm going to hear from the boss tomorrow. Oh, would you loosen up? You'd feel a hell of a lot better if you just rip into the occasional customer. Why? I, I don't bother them and they don't bother me. A liar. Tell me there aren't customers that annoy the piss out of you on a daily basis. There aren't. How can you lie like that? Why don't you vent? Vent your frustrations. Come on, who pisses you off? Well, I guess it isn't customers in particular. Maybe just a group of customers. Well, let's hear it. Well, the milkmaids. The milkmaids? The women that go through every gallon of milk looking for that later date, as if somewhere beyond all the other gallons is a container of milk that won't go bad for like a decade. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. It's like in order to join, they have to have an IQ less than their shoe size. Yeah, Dante's, he's, um, he, he has a huge issue with taking personal. 
responsibility. And, you know, he it's so weird because he's so, so used to getting kind of walked over and pushed around that when Caitlin comes back into the mix, you know, because we, we hear before she even shows up that, um, that she's engaged to this Asian design major or something like that. I, yeah, I don't even know why that's relevant, but it kept on, oh, did you hear Asian yeah. design major? So that, well, that flips Dante for a loop. Is like, oh, man, this girl I haven't seen in so many years, and though I'm also already dating another girl who's actually pretty great, I'm going to go ahead and, like, sab- sabotage. Is that my cat? Yeah. My cat always does noisy things. <laughs> he, he's been a guest on all of my episodes. That's wonderful. Yes, he's very... Engaged. He's very engaged. Okay, so so Caitlin, before Caitlin comes back into the mix, right? Like he hears that she's engaged, and all of a sudden he's like, "Oh man, I got." He calls the paper, make sure it's not a misprint. And I was like, "Dude, what? Was it matter? She treated you like dirt. She cheated on you. She messed around. She wasn't good for you." But isn't that always the way? There's some there's somebody in our past that we hold a candle for, and only have the rose-colored memories of regardless of how bad it could have or was or could have been. And I think that's why I said earlier that when Veronica spills the beans about her being so... Uh, adventurous. Adventurous. He kind of, like, takes some resentment to that because he's of his own, out of his own insecurities. And he sees, like, oh, wow, I can rekindle my past flame. Life will be great again. And he has this lofty illusion that it'll elevate him from his current pre- uh, predicament or situation, which is complete bullshit because um, she was not good for him in any way. And so she shows back up and... Oh, hang on. Get off, Otto. Jesus, dude. Hi, Otto. Oh, my God. No. Go. Jesus. Oh, before she shows up, actually, before before Caitlin shows back up again, you know they uh, they have a few things happen to them. The clerks do. They decide to go ahead and say the hell with it. We're going to have this hockey game. Go up on the roof. They go up on the roof, and <sighs> he gets pushed around then too because the guys. Um, he called the guys and had them come over and decide to play on the roof. And then they um, they convince him, oh, just the Gatorade, come on, like just let us have some Gatorade. Right. And he says no, he says no, he says no, mm-hmm. but winds up folding, giving in, and I guess they run out of Gatorade completely. Yeah. How many Gatorades did they drink? There's I only a, only a few guys, but they they what clean the store out. Right. And oh man, to much to to the point where he like is sarcastically telling Randall later on, oh, go get some Gatorades. He's like, where are they exactly? <laughs> Like he, like he totally could control the situation. And say, hey man, no, fuck you. Go get some water out of the fountain, or something. But you're not having any the Gatorades. Who's going to pay for these? But no. Well, the other thing uh, that we kind of glossed over is that Veronica actually went away to college, and she came back and started she taking did. classes at a local college just so she could be more of a positive influence and supportive to Dante. So let, yeah, let's let's make it even more of a. He's kind of he's not the victim. He's kind of the uh, I don't know perp in this in this situation. Well, yeah, 
I think there's just a part of Dante who is he's too resistant to change because it's scary, it's it, it's uncertainty. It's I think a lot of us have felt that way. Where man, life's kind of not great, but I I know what it is, mm-hmm. and so if I make a bold move or I get out of my comfort zone, then I'm going to be scared. I don't I don't know what that looks like. I don't control that, and that's sometimes very hard for people to to deal with and Dante is just a walking textbook example of just happy to be in the rut he's in but he'd rather bitch about it the whole time hey let me borrow your car I don't want to talk to you fine just let me borrow your car why should I loan you my car I want to rent a movie you want to rent a movie I want to rent a movie What's that for? You work in a video store. I work in a shitty video store. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. And a pack of cigarettes. Cute cat. What's his name? Annoying customer. Fucking dickhead. Can you imagine being halfway decent to the customer sometimes? Let me boil your car. May I be blunt with you? If you must. We are employees of the Quick Stop Convenience and RST Video, respectively. As such, we have certain obligations, though they may seem cruel and unusual, does mean manning the store until closing. I see, so playing hockey and attending wakes, these practices are standard operating procedures. There's a difference. Those are obligations. Obligations that couldn't have been met at any other date. Now, renting videos, that's just gratuitous, not to mention illogical, being that you work at a video store. Are you open? Yes. You know what? I don't think I care for your rationale. Well, it's going to have to do being that it's my car up for a request. Can I help you? A pack of cigarettes. So what's your point? My point is, you're a clerk paid to do a job. You can't just do anything you want while you're working. Space alien revealed as head of Time Warner. Report stock increase. They print any kind of shit in this paper. They certainly do. Three dollars. So your argument is that title dictates behavior. What? The reason you won't let me use your car is because I have a title and a job description. I'm supposed to follow it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I saw one one time that said, the next week the world is ending. And in the next week's paper they said, we were miraculously saved at the zero hour by a koala fish mutant bird. <laughs> Crazy shit. So I'm no more responsible for my decisions here than, say, a death squad soldier in Bosnia? Oh, no, that's stretching it. You're not being asked to slay children or anything. Yeah, not yet. And I remember one time in his day. <laughs> I'm gonna break your fucking head, you so, fucking jerk! I'm sorry, he meant to hit me. Yeah, well, he missed. Yeah, I know. Here, let me refund your money and we'll call it even, all right? Yeah, I'll never come in here again. And if I see you again, I'm gonna break your fucking head open. What you do that for? Two reasons. One, I hate it when people can't shut up about the stupid tabloid headlines. Oh, Jesus. And two, to prove a point, title does not dictate behavior. What? If title dictated my behavior as a clerk serving the public, I wouldn't be allowed to spit water at that guy. But I did. So my point is that people dictate their own behavior. Even though I work in a video store, I choose to go rent movies at Big Choice. Agreed? You are a danger to both the dead and the living. I like to think I'm a master of my own destiny. Please get the hell out of here. I know I'm your hero. It's actually interesting because I've been listening to podcasts and reading some stuff lately that there's a whole other um, psychological thing that people are dealing with now. And it's not necessarily, it's not the fear of failure. It's the fear of actually succeeding and having to step their game up. 
because where they're at is easy. They know what to do. It's basically like you're, you're pushing the same button every day. You're driving the same route to work. But if they excelled or they, they got up to that next level, then... It's pressure. It's expectations. Right. There's... Then it would be such a change. Like in the human adversity to change is, is, is well documented. But yeah, sure. there's a whole other study now that people are actually fearful of success. So I think that this was a early look at that from us uh from it's it's kind of satire this this whole thing but it's it's definitely a real a real thing that society's been going through yeah i think you know back to the way kevin smith writes you know he very much like you said he, he modeled a lot of what so many young 20 year olds 20 somethings deal with because my cat makes noises about what they deal with when they like you said face those things that will change what all that they know, all that they've done, you know, Randall, who's looks like ostensibly has been his, has been Randall's or uh, Dante's friend for years, so he's the comfortable best friend. He's got an easy job, you know. He's got a girl that that brings him food. He's yeah, eh, what do I need? But at the same time, he wants to, you know, gripe and 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 you know talk about how he's so much better than than where he's at and even at the end of the movie where uh randall and him have this kind of this big uh, kind of confrontation where like they both well at least randall acknowledges like we act like we're so much better than people but a monkey can do our job mm-hmm. you know and he tells he tells uh, uh dante you need a shit or get off the pot but the difference is, is randall is completely comfortable and happy with his station in life exactly whereas dante is completely miserable with the station in life but unwilling to do anything to change it so and then uh, well they get another another chance to kind of like kind of put the lens under themselves when they go to their friend's funeral julie dwyer's funeral who we learn more about her backstory in mall rats as the universe expands in kevin smith's world um and like once she was one of the uh what do they say the illustrious 12 one of the 12 that right dante has slept with and now she's passed away she died mid back backstroke mid backstroke yeah. in the ymca swimming pool uh embolism in the brain what a nasty way to go for a young person for anybody really oh, it's painless i mean but you're so young like 22 and i think that um that kind of is scary for dante and randall more so for dante because you know as as much as Randall might care. He's, he acts very ambivalent to a lot of stuff. And I think D- Dante kind of gets this whole, like, wow, life is kind of short. And holy crap, man. Like, I. He's I faced with his own mortality, basically. It, it's, yeah. I, this could all be gone tomorrow. And what do I have to show for it? What's my legacy going to be? And they don't really say those exact words, but you kind of get that notion that, you know, it kind of jolts the both of them a little bit. Like, damn. Like, this person was just getting their life together, getting their life started, and now it's cut short, and we're here just jerking off in fucking convenience stores. Right. What are we doing? And so they come back, you know, after <laughs> fucking Randall knocks the casket, the over, casket over and the body right. falls out. And well, the only thing I don't like about Randall is that he also doesn't take responsibility. Well, not that he takes doesn't take responsibility. He knows what he did, but he, but he has, doesn't care. He has, He's got apathy. He, yeah, he he lacks any empathy for anybody for anything because he just doesn't care. 
and you know and that kind of but that kind of enables him to not advance either because you know i feel like if you want to do better for yourself and better for others you have to give a little bit of a shit okay <laughs> a little bit and randall doesn't really see, like he cares he's got dante's back because they're boys and he likes watching movies and then they talk about the ethical um d- dilemma of killing contractors working on the second death star that's right that which, was a great conversation too you know <laughs> but <laughs> i mean i'm i'm a movie guy and i can appreciate movie references and you know here i am hosting a movie podcast you would think i would know or appreciate that that subtle nuance of of discussion but it's so much fun to see like the you could almost feel like the writing kind of wrote it, like the dialogue kind of wrote itself into some of those scenes, which is a testament to the skill level that Kevin Smith wrote at, or wrote this film at, rather. And it's like, who sits around, not in real life, but in a movie, sits around and talks about bullshit? We're going to need a bigger boat. Man goes into cage. Cage goes into salsa. Shark's into salsa. Our shark. Oh, what? What's with you, man? You haven't said anything for like 20 minutes. What the hell's your problem? This life. This life? Why do I have this life? Have some chips. You'll feel better. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. The goddamn steel shutters are closed. I deal with every backward-ass fuck on the planet. I smell like shoe polish. My ex-girlfriend is catatonic after fucking a dead guy. And my present girlfriend has sucked 36 dicks. 37. My life's in this shitter right now. And if you don't mind, I'd like to stew a bit. You open? Yeah. Ah, that's all bullshit, man. You know what the real problem here is? I was born. You should shit or get off the pot. I should shit or get off the pot. Yeah, you should shit or get off the pot. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about this thing you have, this inability to improve your station in life. Fuck you. It's true, man. You sit there and blame life for dealing your cruddy hand, never once accepting responsibility for the way your situation is. What responsibility? All right, if you hate this job and the people and the fact that you have to come in on your day off, then why don't you quit? Oh, like it's that easy. It is. You just up and quit. There's other jobs. They pay better money. You're bound to be qualified for at least one of them. So what's stopping you? Leave me alone. Oh, you're comfortable, right? This is a life of convenience for you, and any attempt to change it would shatter the pathetic microcosm you've fashioned for yourself. Uh, like your life's any better. Hey, I'm satisfied with my situation for now. You don't hear me complaining. You, on the other hand, have been bitching all day. Thank you. Why don't you go back to the video store, It's huh? the same thing with Veronica. Oh, now leave her out of this. You date Veronica because it's convenient and she's low maintenance. But meanwhile, all you ever do is talk about Caitlin. You carry a torch for a girl you dated in high school. In high school, for God's sakes, you're 22. Leave me alone. If you want Caitlin, then talk to Veronica and be with Caitlin. If you want Veronica, then be with Veronica. But don't pine for one and fuck the other. Man, if you weren't such a fucking coward. Well, if I wasn't such a fucking coward. You know, it must be so great to have this ability to simplify things the way you do. Am I right or what? You're wrong. Things happen today, all right? Things that probably ruined my chances with Caitlyn. Oh, what? The dead guy? She'll get over fucking a dead guy. Shit, my mom's been fucking a dead guy for 30 years. I call him dead. Caitlyn and I can't be together. It's impossible. Melodrama coming from you seems about as natural as an oral bowel movement. What? 
What do you want me to say? Yes, some of the things you're saying are true, but that's the way things are. They're not gonna change. Make them change. I can't, all right? Jesus, will you leave me alone? I can't make changes in my life like that. If I could, I would. But I don't have the ability to risk the, the comfortable situations on, on the big money and the fabulous prizes. Who are you kidding? You can't sell. Jesus H. Christ, I can. So what, you're gonna sit there and be miserable because you don't have the guts to face change? My mother told me once, that when I was three years old, my potty lid was closed. And instead of me lifting it, I shit my pants. Lovely story. The point is, I'm not the type of person who'll disrupt things just so I can shit comfortably. Movies have done it since then. I mean, Pulp Fiction's a good example, which was a contemporary example for Clerks. They both were released in 94, both under Miramax that were you know, distributed, uh, distributed both of them. So there's a lot of, lots of uh, uh, connections there. Yeah. yeah, and, but it's so interesting because, you know, you think about like the, the films that have been coming out, either action movie, they're very by the numbers, they're romance, by the numbers. You know, there's a few, very few far between films that were coming out, out around that time that were exploratory and um, offbeat, behind the melody a little bit of, of how things in cinema worked. And Clerks was one of them. Well, I think that also Kevin Smith wanted people to think. Instead of just being... But why would he want them to think? Is, is a question I'm, I'm curious about. Like, what, what, what is it to think about? Just you know? realism. I mean, yes, you go, to, you go to the movies or you watch movies to escape reality for a little while. Mm -hmm. But there's still art that can shine light on reality. And it's kind of like the jokes, the jokes that are funny because they're true. He, he you know, wants to shine a light on, hey, this is like... You're not the only one out there that that feels like, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here today and blah, blah, blah. But and then they sort of vicariously get to see that there is a way to, you know, shake that loose and move forward. That's what that's, you know, a testament to how he framed a story was he tied this very universal thread um, from through all of his characters, because, you know, people who worked in retail, who have worked in sales know what a pain in the ass. It is to deal with customers of all shapes and sizes, you know, because they, they not only do you see the examples from the convenience store, but you also have when Randall's going on one of his diatribes about people to ask him stupid stuff in the movie store. And that's very relatable to a lot of people. And it's very relatable to to wake up and life is kind of by, you know, again, kind of paint by numbers where mm -hmm. it's like I get up, I clock in it's A, B, C and then rinse and repeat and I can feel people who aren't being challenged and aren't uh, uh, seeing a metric grow or a percentage of, of what they could achieve uh, materialize, then they get really uh, floundered and frustrated. They dug their own rut. Um, yeah. The one thing that, that it's kind of, it draws me to him and... To whom? Uh, Randall, uh -huh. he's he's he inspires me a bit, and does a bit remind me of somebody that I grew up <coughs> around. Mm -hmm. um, that he's just so content with his station in life. Like I said before, that like he's just oh okay, let's roll with the punches. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like why are you complaining about it? Let's just do this. Right. And um, you know, 
uh, not contrastly, but actually on the same you know token, I grew up with this guy that could do calculus in his head. Like he was literally brilliant, like Mensa level IQ. Sure. But he spent well over a decade working in a record store. And that like, he just loved his life. I was like, man, I just get to listen to music all damn day. And like talk to customers like what's up man and you know idiots come in and ask for dumb records and he's like and why do you th- why, why do you think he elected to to do that for so long knowing that he had like a kind of like the goodwill hunting kind of thing where like he's a genius mm-hmm. but you know blue collar work kind of just fits his fancy mm-hmm. it be he was completely happy he had gotten a lot of offers to work for, you know, government agencies on nuke programs and stuff like that. And just like, no, because again, it might go back to that fear of success. Well, there's going to be more expected of me. Yeah. I'll have to get up earlier. I won't be able to just play video games all day, you know, or, um, but, but the level of sheer contentment that both Randall and this person had in their lives was to be admired. So you can have millions of dollars or have, you know, hundreds of dollars in the bank, but there's just something to be seen. Someone that's just completely content with their station in life, whether or not we think they should aspire for more, but they don't want it and they're cool with it and they're not hurting anybody else, man. I say go with it. Well, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, like you said, to be comfortable where you're at, but also like in the, in the scope of Dante's existence, he's not happy. No. And, he just constantly shoots himself in the foot, constantly whining, moaning, complaining. It's, and so I, you kind of want to reach in the, in the, to the screen, kind of slap him a little bit. And I think a lot of that is due to its relate, his relatability. Um, and, but got, let's, let's move on to uh, where we're at in the film, you know. So um, Caitlin Bree shows back up. And Randolph, uh, Randolph, Randall went off to uh, another video store. He again, he he goads, or uh, he, he kind of pushes Dante to give him his Dante's keys so he can go to another video store. Though he works at, at the, the video, at store. video store, and he goes to buy uh, Best of Both Worlds, that nice hermaphroditic porno, <laughs> um, <coughs> as you do, you know. You know, just sit back, nice cup of tea, and watch yeah, some hermaphroditic, hermaphroditic, hermaphroditic I can't porn. even, I, yeah, I can't even enunciate it. <laughs> it's such a great word. Um, <laughs> but so Caitlin Bree shows up, and she confides that, you know, I'm not actually going to get married to this guy. Um, my mother kind of just jumped the gun with the newspaper announcement, and and she kind of... I think a lot of it was she came back and she saw that, and I'm just speculating here, she saw that Dante had another girlfriend and he was doing well without her. And that could be a little like, oh, yeah? Well, I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. Because she kind of comes back and throws herself right at him. She really does. Knowing full well that he already has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he was her safe space. He was, you know, I don't think that she wanted a commitment. I think that she just wanted to know that she still could. Yeah, and so, but she commits full full bow to to go ahead and uh, dump Asian design major guy, and, and reconnect with uh, uh, with Dante. So Dante's all excited, completely just overboarding Veronica, 
and I can't remember if he tells he tells her. No, no, Rand Randall Randall tells, tells her, that's Veronica, right. and that's that pisses right. Dante off. And so while Dante checks out to go get changed for the big date, Caitlin comes back in the store, goes to the restroom, comes back out. You know, of course, this whole time Randall is watching the hermaphroditic porn in the store for but, all for yeah. all eyes to see, and. You know, As you do. Well, Randall Graves, scourge of the video renter. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Asian Design Major yourself, Caitlin Bree. You saw that article? God, isn't it awful? My mother sent that in. I take it she likes the guy. You'd think she's marrying him. What are you watching? Children's programming. What'd your mom say when you told her you weren't engaged anymore? She said not to come home until after graduation. Wow, you got thrown out for Dante? What can I say? He does weird things to me. Ooh, can I watch? You can hold me down. Can I join in? You might be let down. I'm not a hermaphrodite. Hey, if you are. So what makes you think you can maintain a relationship with him this time around? A woman's intuition. Something inside me says it's time to give the old boy a serious try. Wow. Hey, you know, you and I have something in common. We both eat Chinese. Dick. Exactly. So where is he? He went home to change for the big date. God, isn't he great? No. This is great. Can I use your bathroom? There's no lights back there. Why aren't there any lights? Well, there are, but for some reason they stop working at 514 every night. You're kidding. Nobody can figure it out. The boss doesn't want to pay the electrician to fix it because the electrician owes money to the video store. Such a sordid state of affairs. And I'm caught in the middle, torn between my loyalty for the boss and my desire to piss with the lights on. Well, I'll try to manage. Oh, hey, Caitlin, break his heart again this time, and I'll kill you. Nothing personal. <laughs> you are very protective of him, Randall. You always have been. Territoriality. He was mine first. Oh, that was so cute. Dante comes back in the store, and we... we put the pieces together that the old man from before was still in the bathroom. Lights don't work in there. Caitlin goes in there and fucks this old man's brains out. You know, he's already passed. <laughs> Talk about scarring. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> um, but then again, I don't think that she should have jumped right into it. I mean, that's... You don't, like, really... There's no other example I, I can think of at the top of my head that, that really illustrates the I'm done with guy X, I'm going back to this other guy uh, immediately, then going into a darkly lit or not, not lit not lit bathroom and just jumping on some penis. Maybe she just it was time for her to move on, and I guess she didn't care which one she jumped upon. And she gets carted away in ambulance because that probably scars scarred her for life i think well she's shaking and rocking like oh I, god i want i want to say that later on i think it was a chasing amy they mentioned her again they how she, she's in like the loony bin the now loony bin, yeah because she's <laughs> so messed up how did you get here so fast it left like an hour ago mm -hmm. do you always talk this weird after you violate a woman maybe the asian design major slipped her some opium could be it has never been like that before. Like what? When you just lay perfectly still and let me do everything. Am I missing something here? Okay. I went back there and Dante was already waiting for me. He was? It was so cool. He didn't say a word. He didn't have to. He was just ready. 
you know, and like we didn't kiss or talk or anything. He just sat there and let me do all the work. You dog, I didn't even see you go back there. And the fact that there weren't any lights on made it so. God, that was so great. <laughs> My legs are still shaking. It wasn't me. <laughs> You're right, who was it then, Randall? Was it you? I was up here the whole time. You two better quit it. I'm serious. Oh, so we didn't just have sex in the bathroom? No. Stop it. This isn't funny. I'm not fooling around. I just came in from outside. This isn't fucking funny, Dante. I'm not kidding. Who went back there? Nobody, I swear. I feel nauseous. Are you sure there was someone back there? Well, I didn't just fuck myself. Jesus Christ. God, I'm gonna be sick. You just fucked a total stranger. Shut the fuck I can't up. Call the police. No, don't. Because there's a stranger in our bathroom. He just raped Caitlin. Oh, she God. said she did all the Will work. you shut the fuck up? Who the fuck's in our bathroom? Uh, even before that happens, Rick Darris, before Caitlin Bree shows up, Rick Darris, another character that gets mentioned later on in the film series, is with there with Alyssa Jones' little sister, Alyssa Jones, the character from, the main character from Chasing Amy. And he's, and Rick Darris is giving Dante a bunch of shit for being. Uh, weak. Right. And, Do you want to go to the gym? I can teach you how to pump up and, and yeah. get all the muscles. And then he has the balls to tell Dante to his face, oh yeah, your ex-girlfriend? Yeah, I used to fuck her while y'all were dating. Like, no problem, man. It was a long time ago. Like, forget about it. Like, no, man. Like, if, that, if I was Dante, I would have leapt over that counter. Eh. See, I would have just turned I, around and be like, did you now? Then when uh, Caitlin, I'd be like, you know what? I mean... Nah. But I think it's it's well I say that because it's the way he kind of arrogantly put it, like I did it. What are you gonna do about it? Kind of a thing. He, he's, he's not so, wrong. He's so casual, but he knew that Dante wasn't gonna put up a fight. True. So he had no qualms with rubbing in his face a little bit, and and yeah, and then they leave. Caitlin walks in, and Dante's like, "Oh yeah, the guy that you used to two time me with just left." Yep. Do you want to get back together? Like, come on, bro. Dude. <laughs> it's a self-respect issue, clearly. Throughout, the theme is a self-respect issue. That he has not. Yes. <laughs> for sure. That. And so, <laughs> then it gets better and better because, you know, after Caitlin gets hauled off by the ambulance, you know, uh, uh, Veronica stops by. And Randall, Randall being the good buddy, the good buddy with the best intentions, decides on his own to go ahead and tell Veronica Dante's done with you. He's getting right. back with his ex. You know, knowing full well that Caitlin just got hauled off in an ambulance, and Veronica snaps, and she, and right again, rightfully so, she confronts Dante. She she throws the lasagna at him. Good for her. And yeah, because she calls him out, like and and she, but she doesn't not only calls him out about the whole him trying to cheat and be sneaky to dump her. She calls him out about his whole life, like this. This is the this is your problem, dude. Like this is why, you know. I don't know. Everyone thought I was stupid for trying to go back to school around you to help motivate you and get you out of the slump and funk you've been living in. And because she definitely had a good heart and good intentions with him. But the thing is, is that I think that you know, good for her for uh, giving it to him with both barrels, because she yeah. can clearly be like, you know what, I'm done with this shit, and then carry on and go on to get her degree and have a successful life. Which I think is what she did. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, I don't remember their mention in Clerks 2. I don't remember mention of her. No, they'll mention her again, actually. But, um, you know, she she does have self-respect. And she walks away like, look, no, I, I, I can't do this with you. And she says it a lot more angrily, and um, but justifiably so. Oh yeah. And then what? And what is? And then what does uh, uh, Dante do? He projects all that back. Woe is me onto Randall. Onto Randall. Because if he, Randall hadn't said anything, then then he would have gotten away with the whole thing. Right. And so now, in Dante's defense, the only thing I'll defend here is Randall probably shouldn't have said anything, because. It wasn't really Randall's place. No, but he also knows but, that Dante is non-confrontational when do it for himself. Ex- exactly. So, um, so, well, I, 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 ninety-nine percent agree with what happened. The one percent of me is like, you, you could have not spoke for Dante. Okay. But, but mostly, I'm like, you should have done it because if he hadn't done it, he, uh, Dante would have continued to kick the can down the road. Yep. And he wouldn't have made any drastic action or change. Probably would try to juggle two girls at once. Mm-hmm. And oh, I could see that. You know, I can't. I don't know what to tell her. Yeah, some bullshit like that. And yeah, so they they so Dante tries to choke out Randall, and and they end up having this you know this kind of like resolution where they're both on the ground and all the snacks are falling around <laughs> them. And now he's got to clean up the whole store. Yeah. But you know, but Randall's like, look, man, like, you did this to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't get pissed at me because I took action where I knew you couldn't. And I think that uh, you know, Randall was completely correct here, where he's like, you sound like an asshole. Fucking woes me, pity party. You need to fucking make a move for yourself, man. You know, stopping a little bitch, take control of your life. Yeah. You still didn't have to choke me. Oh please. I'm surprised I didn't kill you. Why do you say that? Why do I say that? Randall, forget it. Oh, really? What did I do that was so wrong? What don't you do? You know, sometimes I think the only reason you come to work is to make my life miserable. How do you figure? What time did you get to work today? Like 10 or 10 after. You were over a half an hour late, and then all you do is come in here. Yeah, to talk to you. Which means the video stores are ostensibly closed. Oh, it's not like I'm miles away. Unless you're out renting video at other video stores. Hermaphrodites. I rented it so we could watch it together. You get me slapped with the fine, you argue with the customers, and I have to patch everything up. You get us thrown out of a funeral by violating a corpse. And then to top it all off, you ruin my relationship. I mean, what's your encore? Do you, like, anally rape my mother while pouring sugar in my gas tank? You know what the real tragedy about all this is? I'm not even supposed to be here today! Oh, fuck you! Fuck you, pal! Jesus, there you go, trying to pass the buck. I'm the source of all your misery. Who closed the store to play hockey? Who closed the store to go to a wake? Who tried to win back his ex-girlfriend without even discussing how he felt with his present one? You want to blame somebody? Blame yourself. I'm not even supposed to be here today. You sound like an asshole! Jesus, nobody twisted your arm to be here. You're here of your own volition. You like to think the weight of the world rests on your shoulder, like this place would fall apart if Dante wasn't here. Jesus, you overcompensate for having what's basically a monkey's job. You push fucking buttons. Anybody could waltz in here and do our jobs. You, you're so obsessed with making it seem so much more epic, so much more important than it really is. Christ, you work in a convenience store, Dante. And badly, I might add. I work in a shitty video store, badly as well. 
You know, that guy Jay's got it right, man. He has no delusions about what he does. Us, we like to make ourselves seem so much more important than the people that come in here to buy a paper or, God forbid, cigarettes. We look down on them as if we're so advanced. Well, if we're so fucking advanced, what are we doing working here? I remember reading about how the alternate ending of this movie was actually, instead of them closing up the store, cleaning up and closing it up and, and going home, right? someone was supposed to come in and rob the place and shoot and kill Dante. Okay, that escalates quickly. It was, was such a dark ending to up to that point of being a really funny movie. Right, with, you know. And so, but I think, yeah, Kim Smith at the last, at the 11th hour decided to change it and make it more upbeat kind of ending where Dante can probably learn and grow. I mean, as we've seen Clerks 2, that didn't really happen, well, <laughs> at least from the beginning of Clerks 2. Right. So Wow, that that's that's something I, I didn't expect. He doesn't really have that kind of a darkness in in his storytelling. Typically, no. And I mean, again, he would have been setting the the, the bar at a certain level if he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think Clerks would have been as well received. Had Dante. Had Dante bit yeah. it at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, we, we can't neglect some of the most iconic characters, Jay and Simon Bob. Right. And you just kind of see them kind of threaded through, and they have that one Russian dude they're all hanging out with. Berserker. Berserker. <laughs> and Jay's... Somebody's cousin or some something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I forget who, what the connection was, but yeah. Okay, she's my cousin now. I'm going to knock those boots again tonight. Oh, look who it is, the fucking human vacuum. Scumbag, what are you doing? Not to say I saw Bob and his cousin. He's your cousin? Yeah, and he's from Russia, too. No way. What part of Russia? I don't fucking know. Do I look like his fucking biographer? Well, what part of Russia are you from? Moscow. He only speaks Russian? Nah, I speak some English, but he cannot speak a good like we do. Is he staying here? Nah, he's moving to the big city this week. He wants to be a metal singer. No way. I swear, Olaf metal. That's his fucking metal face. Olaf girl, nice. Scarlet neck. That's fucked up, man. What did he say? I don't know, man, but this guy's a character. He really wants to play metal? Yeah, he's got his own band in Moscow. It's called Fuck Your Yankee Blue Jeans or something like that. That doesn't sound metal. You gotta hear him sing Olaf Berserker. Come on, man, Berserker. Does he sing in English or Russian? In English. Come on, Berserker. Girls think sexy. I'll watch, but he's gonna sing and watch. It's too funny. My love for you is like a truck berserker. Would you like some making fuck berserker? <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck? And it's so funny, you see Jay being completely obnoxious. All he wants to do is sell drugs, go to parties, get laid, blah, 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 blah. And and then you have Silent Bob, who's just kind of silent. Yep. Doesn't doesn't do much. Nods. But he, but he does, you know, drop that nice little pearl of wisdom at the end and uh, about lasagna. And I think, it's, I think it's great. I think how Kevin Smith cultivated that character well, really, both characters to kind of fit these certain these certain plots that he's that he's built, and they kind of kind of come in and out when they where they need to be, you know, for some either comic relief or some 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 wisdom. Uh, obviously, the comic relief is coming from Jay, oh. not so much the. I mean, you could look, you can get wisdom from Jay, maybe depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> a different. 
perspective on life. I, uh... You know, for all his for all his isms, Jay actually says some pretty profound things, albeit in a very loud, colorful, profane way. Profane way. <laughs> but you know, Kim Smith's uh, Silent Bob character kind of just drops that nice little nugget of, of stuff for Dante, and it, you can see it kind of like ties up everything for Dante. This whole t- this whole time he was trying to chase the past. Because the past is where life was good. Right. And instead of moving forward with someone who wants to push him and make him grow. Because it's uncomfortable. You know. And not only that, she, not, it's not that she's pushing him just, just to push him, but for a reason. Because she wants to build a life with him, presumably. She's dating this guy. She likes this guy. And <clears throat> I don't know why. You know, but it's not for me to say why Veronica would, would date Dante. <laughs> Because of all that practice he had with 12 women. Oh, I, I, is that what it is? It is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I got to I gotta say, though, it's kind of, you know, I was talking with somebody, and, and they made a point, like, if people, you, it's presumptuous for someone to come into that someone else's life and push them to grow. That person has, unless a person asks to, for the help, and... I think maybe that's also why Dante was a little resistant because he didn't maybe he didn't want to directly, you know. So it was, and while you know, and I, I kind of have my different feelings about that whole ideology, you know. Sometimes I feel people just need to get kicked in the ass sometimes, but sometimes also it's like it's wrong to be presumptuous and assume what's best for somebody and know what the best course of action is, um, even huddles. Uh, subtle suggestions can be kind of evasive a little bit. Um, so, but I think that could have been an underlying theme also why Dante was so resistant. Resistant. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Noise, noise, noise. Smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers. Pack her ass, my good man. Time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. Done poisoning the youth for today, huh? Hells yes, whatever that means. Now it's time to head over to Atlantic, drink some beers, get ripped, and hopefully get laid. 179. Pay the good man. Yeah, you close soon? In a half an hour. Yeah, we get off at the same time every day. We should hang out. You get high? I should start. Want to come to this party with me tonight? There's going to be some pussy there, man. With you? I don't think so. Oh, look at you. I don't hang out with drug dealers. Nothing personal. Yeah, what happened with that old guy? He died in the bathroom. Well, I heard he was jerking off or something. I don't know. I wasn't watching. Yeah, he probably saw a can chick. I know I felt like beating him when I saw her. Oh, come here, bitch. You like this, huh? Huh? What you want, huh? Hey, hey, knock it off. That used to be my girlfriend, all right? I used to go out with her? Yeah, well, I thought we might be starting again. Don't you already have a girlfriend? Yeah, Veronica. And what, you gonna dump her for that can chick? Maybe. I don't know, dude, that can chick's nice, but I see that Veronica girl doing shit for you all the time. I saw her rubbing your back, fucking come brings your food. Then I see her change your tire once. Hey, you know, I jacked up the car. All she did was unloosen the nuts and put the tire on. I don't know, she does a lot for you. She's my girlfriend. I had some girlfriends too, but all they wanted for me was reading shit. Shit, my grandma used to say, what's better, fucking a good play with nothing on it? No way, I fucked up. What's a good play with nothing on it? Meaning? Oh, no, she was seen all that shit. She used to fucking piss herself all the time and shit herself. 
Come on, Samba. Let's get the fuck out of this fucking jib joint with this fucking faggot Dante. You cock smoker. You know, there's a million fine-looking women in the world, dude, but they don't all bring you lasagna at work. Most of them just cheat on you. Come on, lame dick. So the, the way I have acted in my relationships, friendships, everything, mm -hmm. if someone's going to continue to, for, just for the sake of conversation, bitch and moan, I want this, I want that, I want this, okay, well, you know, this is how you, let's, let's look into it. How do you get this? How do you get that? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think that one of the better quotes that I've ever heard was, you know, someone that's like, well, if I go back to school now, in those four years, I'll be 45 years old. It's like, okay, well, how old will you be in four years if you don't take those classes? You'll still be 45 years old, but you won't have the degree that you want. So, I mean, also, um, I mean, yeah, like I was a good example was I was taking an Uber from the airport back to my house one time and I was kind of just making conversation with the guy, the, the driver about how like I was considering driving for Uber and Lyft just to make some extra cash on the side. And he was like, I was like, well, the only thing that's kind of holding me back is because I wasn't in college at the time. I was between semesters. I was like, oh man, my car is going to get run down. It's gonna, I'm going to wear out my car. He's like, dude, he's, he's like, dude, your car is going to depreciate anyway. Anyway, yeah. If it's just sitting in a parking lot or if it's driving people around, getting some extra money, it's still going to go down in value over time. So... I, I don't think that's a good enough reason. Unless you really don't just don't want to do it, then that's fine. So, you know, he made me think about that for a little bit. I still haven't started driving Uber because now I'm in college and I have no time um, on top of doing this podcast and doing going to work and caring for a little ginger cat. You know, my time is very t tied up with other priorities. Um, but uh, I think also it's, it's you know, you know the, the whole thing where, you know, because you're married, do you ever like vent to your husband and be like, and you just want to get a problem off or like, like kind of just word vomit something? Yes. You know, and not saying your husband has done this, but like as men, sometimes we want to like look for the solution. How do we and fix, fix it for me? And you're like, shut the fuck up. I just want you to hear me. So that being said, we've actually established something long ago, early okay. on. Yeah. Um, as if there's a vent that's about to happen. And uh, we would say, is this for action or is this for understanding? And I'm like, okay, understanding. Right. And then it's, all right, well, I'm just going to sit back and hold on and see where this, you know, story goes. Um, but if it's for action, it's usually aimed at him. So, you know, <laughs> there is something that can be done. Are you married or what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, it's like, are you, do you want me to, so solve this for you or are you right. just harumphing right if you're harumphing hey let Go it out it. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i th and i think that's also kind of like you know not equating like dante and randall to a marriage of sorts but in a way it's a life partnership there it, it is it's you know as much as janson and bob kind of like kind of hit our life hit our life mates they kind of yes. round each other out so do randolph randolph randall <laughs> And Dante. Dante. I have a friend named Randolph, so that's why I keep deferring to Randolph. Sorry, buddy, if you're listening to this. I don't know. I don't know if he does podcasts, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Uh, and, yeah, like there's this, there's this almost symbiotic relationship where they kind of 
rely on each other, depend on each other, and you know they love each other. You know, and, and sure. you know, which we don't really hear them kind of get to until the end of the Clerks too. Right. Which but was I, a, which that was a great scene in in the jail. But uh, you're about to say. But I think that um, in the the hyper masculine slash feminine society that people were still projecting in '94 when that you know movie came out. They're not going to, you know, I love you, man, became kind of kitschy and cliche and not really heartfelt. So they're showing love through action and time and not necessarily through words. Yeah. Their love language is definitely action. Their their love like action and like smacking them each other upside the head and asking what the fuck is wrong with you. Yeah. That's that's still love. That is love. And I think it's beautiful. Because you give a shit about someone else. And that's what... the great thing about Randall because he does give a shit about someone and that's mm-hmm. Dante. Yes. And that's why he nonchalantly threatens Caitlin when she comes walking back in to the whole picture. It's like, you break his heart again, I'll fucking kill you. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. And, uh, but that's good. You know, that, um, that there is, 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 there's a subtext of a connection and relationship. And, and I think maybe also that Dante, knows how powerful that is and that also might be a factor for him maybe if he goes off to college he'll lose randall or and vice versa maybe randall might lose dante because they're supportive of each other otherwise like like well i think sometimes dante tolerates randall right because he's he's so obnoxious but he's also kind of a good time yes you know you know dante drones about how he's the pick up Randall's messes in, in, a, in a way and because he's so hostile to customers. But, you know, Rand, uh, Rand, uh, Randall is like the cus- is the clerk who is a mouthpiece for everyone who's ever worked in retail. Yes. He is definitely the, you know, the devil on the shoulder. Like, if I had no filter and had no fear, I like, would probably say the things that Randall says. I mean, because I don't, I don't think a, someone, someone like Randall couldn't, work in today's 2020s retail environment he could just probably not for very long or stock have him in the back in the stock room because yeah no what's that what's that one restaurant that you can is it dick's last resort where, oh that's right where they're I, intentionally rude to you yeah it's a fun time i've never been i don't i, don't. I went to the one in baltimore and uh it's fun it's like you go in there if you go in there knowing what you're getting it's it's, it's fun they're not like they're not like overtly rude like Randall is, but like. Can you be profane. rude back to them? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you can dish it out as, right. as they give it to you. Um, oh yeah, I went to the I went I went there twice actually. I went inside once with my mom, and I went out to the and it was nice outside. I went out to the the patio right on the on the harbor, and it was a lovely view. And the bartender was just talking so much shit. <laughs> she was awesome. <laughs> Maybe I'll give it a shot. It, it's a good time. If nothing else, just to do it once. Yeah. You know. Um, so let's talk about, though, let's talk about uh, the rest of this film. You know, as far as his legacy, you know, it's it's come around to be kind of a cult classic. It's the linchpin almost of all of his movies that come behind it. You know, everyone can like Chainsaw and Bob Strike Back more or Dogma or or even the reboot, which I saw, which I was like, eh. I had to watch it again, but 
Clerks is is the inception point. It was. Clerks and Mallrats, I have to say, are probably... Well, that and Chasing Amy, because that one's a good one, too. That's my favorite one, is Chasing Amy. Is it? Uh, I got to talk a little bit about Kevin Smith's direction or his his method of directing, how basically there is none. Okay. Um, like, he... Like, I'm not trying to talk smack against Kevin Smith, but that he's... He shoots conversations. He doesn't shoot movies. Right. I feel like it's it's. But that's also his style. Yeah, I'm not saying I, I'm just not thinking it's like a great style. I mean, at the same time, though, if you write pages of dialogue and it's the same scene, it's the same. The scene is is nothing's moving. People aren't coming and going. It's just right there. There's really only so much you can do, as far as like. You know, maybe take the camera off the tripod and put sure. it on a steady cam, kind of walk around the main character, but then that kind of gets confusing, and the cinematographer might get really pissed off at the director, like, "What are you doing, man? This is a lot of extra work I'm doing." <laughs> um, and also, I read about that's why they shot it in black and white, because you know, since they shot it at night and the fluorescent bulbs, the color temperature was so wacky. Well, they, they rather they would have to compensate with different lighting to make it match. Well, and they didn't need to do that with black and white. So, which I I can appreciate that because he had a shoot, like I said, a shoestring budget. I don't know if he had any crew per se. You know, Mallrats actually, he stepped it up for sure and it has ever since. <coughs> but. But. Anyway. So, do you think that takes away from the content that you're taking in? What do you, and how so? I mean, um, because his his movies are so dialogue heavy mm-hmm. and like really i find myself not paying attention near as much to the cinematography as it were than to the content and which is in the scenes so no i hear what you're saying mm-hmm. um so there's only so much you know as far as dialogue driven movies go you know yes when the dialogue gets gets running full steam and you can uh my cat is eating his food, by the way. Oh, okay. He's just chowing down because <laughs> he, he wants to be involved. That's what it all, all it really means. But after he, you know, he paints a, a scene for you with the words. Yeah, you do get involved in the words. But as far as a director, director is supposed to, like, frame a whole world out. And really what you're getting almost is like a lineup shot hmm. instead of, like, a three-dimensional space Um you know, he's definitely improved. Definitely when he has more crew, more equipment, more, more money. Budget, more time. More time. Yeah. Of course. Um, like, even his dialogue scenes and in, in, in Dogma. And, um, um, That's a good one, too. That's I love that one. Good one. And even Red State. He was using mm-hmm. the red the red, red eye camera, red line, red cameras. I forget what, what the actual name, but the red cameras. He was using a lot of those. And that wasn't really dialogue heavy, but he was able to really kind of insert better as a director into the world that we are in versus where he came from. Right. And again, I'm not knocking his prowess because he was starting. He was yeah. learning. Like, you know, I've never made a movie ever, so, but he, and he has made it quite a few now. So, but I think when it comes to strengths, his definitely is heavier in the writing category. Like I was, I was joking with my film buddies growing up. Like I, I want to see, Quentin Tarantino directed Kevin Smith's script. Wow. That'd be kind of fun. Yes, it would be. Wow. That would be kind of... 
kind of wild. It would. I don't know how they would. I wonder if or like Q would or like or like want to change some or like stuff up. A Christopher Nolan directed film written by both Tarantino and Kevin Smith. Oh my god, that'd be fucking off the fucking wall. It would. But Man. now, you know, I almost want to, you know, write a proposal to all three of them and be like, hey, what do you think? I don't know what it would be about. That'd be so freaking crazy. But I'm here for it. If you're listening, any of you three gentlemen, which I, you know, you never know in, in the world of the internet. But uh, so let's talk about some things here. Let's see. Let's um, so we talked about the production value a little bit. What about the music? You know, he had a lot of good early 90s grungy vintagey punk songs on this on this record on this uh, soundtrack he did um I, I i think he keeps it earthy um he he was definitely like down to earth and real um with the uh, the the way he shot it in black and white yes i kind of get it uh they, they wanted to to maintain color balance throughout which is mm-hmm. you know it's a way to go but after a while i don't i don't know that you know, your brain is, you're watching black and white, you're watching, that sort of just goes away and you get, it's one less factor and one less um, receptor that's getting um, feedbacks to to distract you from, you know, what we're actually watching. Sure. Uh, and I think that the, the music, as always, sets the mood, sets the time frame, sets the kind of, even the, the neighborhood in which, you know, quick stop sort of surrounded by yeah it definitely you can definitely tell like as much as he writes what he knows he also promotes what he knows with music you know because i feel if i were to make a movie of of the level of, of clerks where i could have almost carte blanche to use what songs i wanted to use which also as side note i read that the actual uh uh dollar value to the rights to use those songs was is higher that, was higher than the actual movie budget. Well, that that's not uncommon, actually. So, is it though for for big movies? Mm-hmm. Even like that's even weird. for big movies, just watched something recently on Dirty Dancing, and yeah, they almost was it the was it the uh, the movie the, on Netflix? Was it that show? Yep, I love that show. Oh, what's it, what's that show called? The movies that made us. Yes, that's such a fun show. And so, there's only four episodes. I was so heartbroken because I love Dirty Dancing mm-hmm. and Home Alone and yeah. Die Hard and Ghostbusters. Right. Oh man, I almost got. To, I was to find out that yeah, Dirty Dancing almost didn't get happen because the rights to that music, that necessary music, you know, it takes a hot minute and it takes a big check. Yeah, people got to get paid. <laughs> yep. Um. As, as an aside, I almost got Drew to talk about Ghostbusters. So I gave him a choice between The Thing and... He, he picked Army of Darkness. So I said, hey, The Thing or Ghostbusters? Because I love both of those films. And he said, well, I never watched The Thing, so I'll watch that one. i got to have him back on so we can talk Ghostbusters. So Drew's my husband, for all those listening. And yeah, he, uh, he watched The Thing and tried to get me to sit down and watch it with him. I was like, no, no, uh-uh. <laughs> Absolutely not. And he could <laughs> only digest it in 10-minute segments. He's like, this movie is so bad. I'm like, oh, well. It's funny. Now, I kind of gave him some crap for that because if you ask the the person who's seen the thing a few times in their course of movie watching, mm-hmm. we're, we're, everyone will praise it, me included. But it's, it's the first time watching it, I think it's very unsettling for a lot of people, and they're off-put by 
its graphicness, its its themes. I'm not trying to make this into a thing review as well as Clerks, but so I was kind of not giving Drew shit. But I was kind of like, "Oh, do it." But but no, but no. It was like he was coming from this fresh take on the thing, and what why that's important. How we felt about the thing off from the jump is because when it came out, it was met the same way. Mm. Okay. So critics and audiences when it when it in 1982 when it, that movie that's came out. That's when he was born, though. Come on, man. So I'm just saying that when that movie came out at that time, critics and audiences were like, "What the fuck is this?" But over time, right. it's it's come to it's warmed up to a lot of people. Um, but back to Clerks. Yes. Let's get us back on the on I the think train. The Clerks, especially uh, the area that I grew up outside Philly, New Jersey, that area where mm-hmm. it's because they don't shy away from. At least Jay does not. Uh, he definitely speaks with the the regional accent. Yeah, and you know it's something. I think that it really grew up, blew up in that area first, mm-hmm. and then slowly like trickled across the rest of the, the U.S. But um, much like, I think it. I think I was told that, what was that called? That um, the horror movie, the Blair Witch Project, was yeah. supposed to like it was real big on the Northeast because all oh, that was shot here. And then like, okay, come on, man, like it was a farce. But um, there's something to Kevin Smith being from and and making his roots known in the he's in the, he's in the everyman the South Jersey way, area hmm? you know he, he's an everyman yeah you know people can just tap into what he talks about because he is has that blue collar kind of yeah kind of lifestyle that or or background um, so we talked about okay um, what what is the, the best part of this movie for you just if one scene one line one point Rewatching it it had to have been the um the political debate about the star wars contractors okay, you can't take mine jocelyn that's mine <laughs> okay you can take it sorry <laughs> um but also you know when randall engages with with folks with a you know like i said before just very straightforward no filter you know of course, they're in scene after the fight, you know, Randall just explaining himself, um, getting it, getting into it with, with Dante, letting Dante express himself, mm-hmm. say what the issue is, and then being like, okay, you got a chance to say what you're going to say. Now you're going to hear where I'm coming from. Right. And the way he articulates not only his feelings, but just the whole situation, it, it makes you, it endears Randall even further to you. I would agree. Like that's you know that whole back the last couple beats of the movie where it's both Randall kind of just giving Dante the business mm-hmm. and kind of pointing the mirror back at him like, look, motherfucker, this is not my fault. This is your fault. And also, um, essentially, Dante paying for his crimes when Veronica outs him. That it's almost like the climax. You know how movies have like the climax, and then there's the resolution, which is the back half of the third act, where the characters come around and yes. life's good again. There's none of that. No, it's just you fucked up, you fucked up, you fucked up. Come back to work tomorrow. Right. And that's, but also that's that's life. It you is. You know, like we get we get smacked in the face sometimes, and we got to just go to bed, get up, and and keep it moving. Um. But uh, so, what 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 part is like the the lowest or like the you know like like ah, 
some movies have like those either cringe-worthy scenes or a line that's like that doesn't make any sense. I think I, the cringeworthiness would have to be when he actually rang up the um, newspaper to see whether or not it was a misprint on uh, Caitlin Bree's um, engagement announcement. Yeah. Like, really, man. So it's funny you said that because my mine is not that, but mine is the entire character of Caitlin being there. Okay. I think in in my own way, I feel like if Caitlin was just almost never shown, like she was just this thing you heard about. Okay. Like just like, that way you never really see what the big deal is. And instead, instead of you seeing her and, and her and, and Randall and her and Dante and her and fucking the old dead man. Right. And it, while that little bit is always really funny and messed up. I think it would be it would have been more interesting if I could change something is is have her just be a like unseen mysterious element yeah like abstract like you don't like you hear you you see the interactions like on the phone maybe and you see Dante and Reynolds converse about Dante's plans and then he still gets called out by Veronica leave that all that in there but but have her physically just remain an just enigma yeah okay I, you know. Because the low point is every time I see her face, I hate looking at her. That sounds really like a piggish asshole thing to say, but because I know she's just so toxic. Right. And it's just like you don't want to – me personally, I I don't want to look at you because – But Dante was probably a toxic element in that relationship too. Yeah, because she – well, he probably enabled her to carry on, you know. And then I wonder – I'm curious to see how that that initial relationship – finally dissolved because it looked like she was just going to do whatever the hell she wanted and he just kept taking her back. Right. You know, but anyway. Well, it dissolved hard and proper when she got loaded in the back of that, uh, the oh, ambulance. Yeah, I think, think they're Dunskis <laughs> after that one for sure. So. Nothing brings closure like, you know, somebody getting taken out of the store in a ambulance. In an ambulance. Yeah. But did you have a heart attack? No, I fucked a dead guy in the yeah. bathroom. And now she's catatonic. So. I mean, that's so gross. That's so fucking nasty. Like, it kind of Okay, let's talk ratings. Ratings. Okay. Ratings. So, let's see. Let's see. God bless America. Here we go. Let. I want to say it's buy it, and that's because I bought it three times. So I bought it on DVD. I downloaded it on Apple iTunes and then I also was lazy and just went ahead and bought it on Amazon or something mm-hmm. like that again. So definitely buy it. I think Flawless Victory is a bit too much um, just because uh, there are certain things that are a little bit, you know, jumpy and crunchy about it, but it's still a go-to, so. I, I'm, I'm going to mirror that. Um, it's definitely worth owning because it's, it's so... Uh, groundbreaking in its own right especially for indie filmmakers who can who can drum up some money if they have a story to tell they can tell it and um i can't give it a flawless victory either um you know i like because you see it's a good movie but now it's time for him to make a better one you know and i, I don't think it's mall rats is better i think Mallrats is actually a step below clerks I, um, yeah um 
But uh, then, but we talked about dogma. So now that you know, I'm talking to you after I've seen dogma and chasing Amy and all that stuff. It just, uh. I well, it's definitely a bias for me. Um, I own it as well um, already, coincidentally, and I'll go back to it probably about once a year at the minimum, just because it's, it's. I like going back to these characters, and I think that's why it's it's worth buying because, you know, as much as you can get pissed off with either Dante or Randall for various reasons or the background character characters it, there's still so much universal universality and relatability to them and this this human connection that you have with seeing either yourself or people that you know who are like walking carbon copies or amalgams of, of these characters that Kim Smith has drawn up and that makes it so rewatchable it does and so that's why I'll give it an A I'll give it a, a buy it um, any uh, any last last remarks about clerks? This town are savage. Bunch of savages in this town right. for sure. Well, guys, um, Jocelyn, I want to thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Talking about Clerks, great movie. I w- I'm gonna go watch it again, and, and then I want to immediately watch Clerks and then go watch Clerks too. It, it's so fun to go right into the, the next part of the story with these characters. Um, Highly recommended. Oh, totally. Totally recommended. Um, so anyway, guys, uh, this is John, Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. And again, thank you, Charleston, for stopping by. Thank you. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks. And there you have it, folks. Thanks again to Jocelyn for coming out to chat with me. Next week, my friend Lindsay is on the show, and we dive into some sci-fi. That'll be a fun time, to be sure. If you haven't already done so, follow and subscribe to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn wherever you hear podcasts. Wash your hands and stay safe, everyone. Thanks again for stopping by, and until next time, take care, guys. Take care.